is Giancarlo. Who are you? What's your name? What's your name? I don't know. I can't remember anything that happened before two weeks ago. Lucky you. No, I'm serious. I don't know who I am. I don't know where I'm going. None of it. What? Like, amnesia? Yes. Amnesia? Yes. I can tell you the license plate numbers of all six cars outside. I can tell you that our waitress is left-handed and the guy sitting up at the counter weighs 215 pounds and knows how to handle himself. And at this altitude, I can run flat out for a half mile before my hands start shaking. Now, why would I know that? feel like me, but I love Jason Bourne movies. I just love them. And I love them because there's one issue. Matt Damon has no idea who he is. Matter of fact, uh, he has no idea. I mean, it's all of his movies, he's trying to discover who he is, like Myra, okay? The fact is that most of us have spiritual amnesia, walking around not knowing who we really are. Imagine if that were you. Something traumatic in your life happens tomorrow, and you wake up, and you have no identity. You have, no, you have no idea who you are, no past, no present, no friends, no connections. Your entire identity has been erased. Wouldn't that be a scary thing? To have no recollection, no identity of who you really are. Friends, I want to tell you tonight, that's exactly what Satan's trying to do to your true identity. He's trying to erase it. He's trying to get rid of it. You may not even realize this, but there's a spiritual war going on over your identity. And Satan spends most of his time taking what God created for good, which is you. Because you are created in his image. And he perverts it. He distorts it. And ultimately, he tries to destroy it. Satan knows that if he can keep you from being you, the person God made you to be, if he can hide your true identity... If he can distort your true identity, if he can take what God intended for you to be, he has succeeded in creating an identity crisis that will ultimately destroy your life. That's what he does. How does he do this? He does this, he does this in a whole lot of ways. You want to make sure that you got fill in the blanks in a few minutes. You want to make sure you got a program. Let's make sure everyone has one of those. But he uses a lot of different tools. One of the tools that he uses is the opinions of others. Your parents, your peers, your enemies, social media, all your so-called friends that have said things about you. Whether they were true or not, they were, many of them were said for the most part with the intent of trying to mold you into their image. People all your life have been trying to get you to be what they want you to be, not what God wants you to be. And Satan uses the opinions of others to keep you from the true you. 
to keep you from being the true you. Satan uses hurts in your life to deceive you and to disguise your true identity. Because if he can get you to be resentful, if he can get you to be bitter, if he can get you overwhelmed with guilt, shame, regrets, he knows that you're going to miss your true identity. And this is a big issue because unresolved pain and resentments cause character defects. And because we've had them for so long, we often confuse our defects with our identity. See, a lot of people think because I have a certain tendency, a certain lust, a certain attraction, a certain fault, a certain habit, then that must be me. And then it keeps you from changing because subconsciously you think, if this is me and if I change, and who am I? Because I've only known one version of me for a long, long time. And all of a sudden, your identity is sort of kind of messed up because you've identified yourself with a particular way of thinking, a particular way of acting, attracting, desiring, lusting, or whatever. Now, friends, I need to tell you that the secular world would tell you that the first step to facing your denial is to admit that you have a problem. They would tell you that. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. Because when they tell you to introduce yourself by identifying who you are with your problem, for example, my name is Joe, and I'm an alcoholic. My name's Mary, I'm a shopaholic. My name is Mike, I'm a rageaholic. When they tell you to do that, what they're really saying is you are your problem. You are actually your problem. You are your sins. You are what you do. And your, and your bad habits, that must be your identity. But friends, I'm here to tell you that you are not your sins. You are not your defects. You are not your addictions. You are not your compulsions. They may be something you do. They may be something you have done. But it is not who you are. That is not who you are in Christ. You are a child of the one true king. You are loved. You are favored. And we're going to talk about all these wonderful identity names and labels that God gives us tonight. Another tool that, you, that Satan uses is the media. Got to be careful with this one. He uses culture. All around there are messages that are, con that are constantly bombarding you saying, why can't you be like that person? Why can't you be like her? Why can't you be like him? You should dress like them. You should look like them. Why don't you be more like them? Why don't you buy what they buy? And why don't you do what they do? Oh, trust me, it works. I mean, George Clooney, Danny DeVito, Andy Garcia, and Penelope Cruz have gotten the best of me because I now have an espresso machine. <laughs> I mean, what else is there when you think about it? The stuff works, and you got to be careful. Another tool that Satan uses is he puts thoughts in your mind. That's what he does. See, you, believe it or not, control your thoughts. You have the final say in what to do with your thoughts. But people suggest thoughts to you all the time. Listen, both God and Satan suggest thoughts to you all the time. See, when God gives you a good idea, we call it inspiration. When Satan gives you an idea, we call it temptation. When I come up with an idea, my, 
Carolyn just tells me, that's just dumb. <laughs> she, she said that to me before many times. Satan wants to steal your identity, so he says things like, now, now a lot of these are now going to sound familiar. He wants to steal your identity with these statements that you hear all the time. He says you have to earn God's acceptance to be loved by him. And to be accepted by God, you have to earn it. And he screams the words, you're not accepted, over and over to you all the time. Some of you here for the first time may have heard even that whisper walking through these doors of encounter. I wonder if they'll accept me. I wonder if they'll embrace me. And then the devil may have whispered in your ear, I bet you they don't accept you. I bet you they don't give you the time of day. I bet you they won't talk to you. And he wants you to think that you're not accepted. And then he says things like, you don't matter. You're not important. You're never going to mount to anything. In fact, you're flat out worthless. And he screams the words, you're not significant, over and over to you all the time. He's been screaming these things at you all your life. He says things like, you know that sin that you committed? You can never be forgiven for that. You should be ashamed of yourself. And then he says things like, you don't really believe that God can really meet all your needs. You don't really believe that he really does care for you. And he screams the words, you are not secure over and over to you in your life. But the number one tool, I believe, that Satan uses in your life to cause your true identity to be erased is he gets you to believe a lie that he planted in you maybe even years ago, and then at some point, you eventually just repeat it. You just say it one time, and the one time that you say it, you say it over and over and over again. And he never has to mention it to you ever, ever again. And you believe this stuff. You believe I'm worthless. You believe I'll never amount to anything. I can't do this. I shouldn't do this. I'm not worthy to do this. Why use me to, to lead a group? I'm not qualified. Well, it's just like me to be this way. I'm always lazy. I'm always going to be afraid to get on a flight. I'm always going to do this. I'm always going to do that. And it becomes part of your identity. And then what happens is you really miss who you really are. Well, listen, if all these tools are being used against you and me to conceal who God really made us to be, things my parents may have said, my peers said, the bullies in school, the bullies of Facebook, social media, what society says, what the media says, what Satan says, and sometimes our worst enemy is the things we say to ourselves. How do I know the real me? How do I get to know who I really am? How do I know the true me, the person God made me to be? One of the things I love about Scripture, if you study Scripture in the New Testament, you see some common phrases found in the New Testament. And here are, here are several of them. Phrases that are prefaced or have in them, in Christ. In Him. Through Him. And you are. So if you ever see a scripture that says in Christ, in him, through him, and you are, anytime you see those scriptures, your real identity is being revealed to you. Your identity is found in all those scriptures. 
And I've studied these things. I've studied, I've done an in-depth study of these things for the past 20 years. You take the phrase, you are, okay? And you study the, just those two words. You know what you are really means? That's who you are. It's as simple as that. And, these, and there are actually over a hundred of these identity scriptures to describe what it means to be a disciple, a believer, somebody in the family of God, someone who's accepted Jesus Christ. And God wants you to know that they all represent your new and true identity in Christ, the real you, how he actually sees you, who he actually calls you. And he doesn't call you anybody different than these scriptures. And if you study the life of Jesus, and it's important to study the life of Jesus, you could summarize his life on earth by three things. Jesus knew who he was, he knew what his purpose was, and he knew where he was headed. Jesus knew who he was, he knew what his identity was, he knew what his purpose was, and he knew what his destiny was. He knew where he was headed. And if you take a deep look at his life, and if you study his entire ministry, you'll notice and you'll see, maybe if you've never seen this before, that not so much his ministry, but his identity was under attack. From the moment his ministry began, after he got baptized, till he breathed his last breath on that cross, he was, he was attacked and he was mocked in his identity. He had to deal with the same barrage of insults, lies, temptations, and voices we hear on a daily basis challenging us in our new and true identity because Satan knew that if he can get the Son of God to just take a quick second look off of who he was, he might miss what his purpose was and where he was headed that would ultimately destroy Satan's plans against him and all humanity. And from the moment Jesus burst onto this scene, he was attacked in his identity like I'm talking about. And he does that to us. And if he can make you, if he can make you doubt who you are, what your purpose is, and where you're headed, he knows he can ultimately stop the plan of God in your life that's going to destroy him as well too. Let me give you some quick examples. Matthew 4, 3. It says, the tempter came to him and said, catch this now, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Verse 6, if you are the son of God, he says, throw yourself down. Notice that with every temptation, it was prefaced with an, an attack on his identity. And the attacks never stopped. If you look at his entire ministry, fast forward, because we don't have time to get into all the identity attacks. Because at the end of the day, they just never believed who he was. Fast forward to when he was on the cross, Luke 23, 35. It says this. The people stood around watching and the rulers even snared at him. They said he saved others, let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. If, did you catch that? The if. The Bible says he was tempted in every way, but he didn't sin because he knew who he was. He knew what his purpose was, and he knew his destiny. And the biggest battle you're going to face the moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ is the reality 
of who you are in Christ. This is so important. When was the la- when you when someone asked you who are you? When was the last time someone asked you who who you are and you said I'm forgiven? I'm the one who Jesus loved. I'm a king's kid. When was the last time you said that? Most of us will say what we do. Most of us will share our occupation. Most of us will share our struggle. Most of us will share our problems. Defeated Christians typically have one thing in common. They don't know who they are in Christ, and they don't understand what it means to be a child of the one true king. You see, and God always calls you somebody different than who you call yourself. God always has better thoughts than you could think of for yourself. And that's why Satan knows that if he can get you to believe that you're not who God calls you to be, you're going to have an identity crisis. And the reason why God wants you to know this, who you really are, won't. You might just start living that way. It might just change your life. For example, if you really believed that you were forgiven, you wouldn't walk around with so much guilt and shame. You really wouldn't. If you really believe that you're accepted by God, you wouldn't look for acceptance from other people like you did. Ouch. If you really believe that you are secure, you wouldn't be so consumed with the things of this world. If you really believe you are significant in Christ, you would live your life with confidence and not give in to your codependent behaviors. Some of you are wondering what codependency is. Well, codependency is if you get ready to jump off a cliff and someone else's life passes before you, you're probably a codependent. Two people laughed. If you really believe that you have the mind of Christ, think about this one. You would start thinking like Christ. You would start taking your thoughts captive more. You'd be able to resist temptations more. If you really believe that God himself lives in you, that the Holy One of Israel, through his Holy Spirit, actually takes residence in you, you wouldn't feel so all alone. And you would let him guide your life more. If you really believe that God calls you holy, redeemed, sanctified, perfect, justified, his friend, highly loved, highly favored, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, complete, free from condemnation, the object of his affection, a saint, his daughter, his son. If you really believe that, you might just start living that way. If you really believe that you're a saint, this is a big one, you'd stop calling yourself a sinner and you'd most likely sin a whole lot less. You know, Rick Warren said one time, he said, you know, it's impossible to live a sinless life, but it is possible to sin less. You see, Satan tells you that you're a sinner because you sin. God calls you a saint, one declared righteous by God who still sins, but sinning may be something that you still do, but it's not who you are. And sometimes, just a quick lesson here, sometimes if you're looking at and you're studying the Bible and you see this word sinner, and you see this word saint, don't look at it as something you do, but look at it as somebody you are. And the Bible refers to sinners as people who don't have Jesus Christ in their heart. That's all that means. It's not what we do. 
We all sin, but if we've never accepted Jesus Christ, we're labeled sinners. But if you've accepted Jesus Christ, you're called a saint. So one of the things that Christians say that's not correct is, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Ever hear somebody say that? The correct way to say it, I was a sinner who is a saint, who still sins, who still needs his grace, who is saved. But I'm a saint. I don't need a committee at the Vatican in Rome to declare me a saint. Jesus Christ in his word declared me a saint today. May not how I act, but that's who he calls me. See, Satan will convince you that your identity comes from what you do. God says your identity comes from what I've done for you and who I call you. That's a game changer. And here's one of the most tragic things I've ever seen in ministry. Most Christians will spend an entire lifetime trying to become somebody they already are. Now listen carefully. If you're a follower of Jesus, God doesn't change you into a new identity. He declares emphatically that this is your identity, that this is who you are. He doesn't change you. He changes the way you think. He transforms you by the renewing of your mind. He gives you a better way to think because the Bible says as a man thinks, so he is. Not necessarily so. According to all of God's identity scriptures of who we are. Listen, you are not who you think you are, but you are what you think. You are who God says you are, even if you don't think you are. And when you start believing who you really are, then you'll know what your true identity in Christ is. Some of you are scratching your head right now. You see, and if God can reshape your mind, you will still be you. And when you believe who he has declared you to be, friends, it's a game changer. It changes everything. It's not only God's best version of you. It's the only version of you he sees. It's the only version of you that he calls you. It's the only name he uses to describe who you are. And the more you believe who God calls you, the more power you're going to have to, be that, to live out that best version of you that God called you in the first place. Now, real quick, the other reason why many of us don't know who we are in Christ and what our true identity is is because we've looked for acceptance, security, and significance in all the wrong places in every person, place, thing, and accomplishment other than a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And when we look for acceptance, security, and significance outside of God's word and a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you are really going to have an identity crisis. And here are some verses that talk about how in Christ we are accepted. These are important. John 1.12 says, I'm a child of God. I'm God's child. John 15.15 15 says, I'm a friend of Christ. He's my friend. 1 Corinthians 6.20, I've been bought with a price. I belong to God. Ephesians 1, here it is. I am a saint. There it is. Ephesians 1.4, I am holy. I'm blameless in his sight. Ephesians 2.18, I have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. Colossians 1.14, I have been redeemed. I've been forgiven. That's who I am. I'm forgiven. Try introducing yourself to someone that way. How are you? Who are you? I'm forgiven. You blow their minds. Colossians 2.10, I am complete in Christ. Ladies, ain't nobody complete you but Jesus. 
Repeat this after me. Come on, everybody. I am a child of God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I'm a saint. I'm a new creation. I've been made new. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I have his name. I have his life. I am forgiven. I'm holy. I'm blameless. I'm justified. I'm complete. And I am accepted. And that is who you are. That's who you are. And that's where you start. That's where your identity starts. By realizing that you're accepted in Christ. It's so important for you to understand this. Otherwise, you will let people and the enemy destroy that and take that away from your life. It's like the story that I heard about a lady that got a job. And on the, she got a new job. And on, the, on her way to the new job, she had to walk by this pet store. And this parrot saw her. And this parrot yelled at her. And said, hey, lady. And the lady said, what? And the parrot said, you're ugly. And the lady thought about it the whole day. Couldn't stop thinking about this stupid parrot. Second day, she walks by the pet store. The parrot sees her again. Hey, lady, what? You're ugly. She goes ballistic. She yells at the owner, threatens to sue him. The owner calms her down and says, lady, you will never hear those words from that parrot ever again. You have my word. Third day, she walks by the pet store. And the parrot sees her and says, hey, lady. The parrot said, what? And the parrot looked around to the right, to the left, looked at the lady and said, you know, just like that. <laughs> now, if she knew who she was in Christ. She wouldn't let that parrot mess up her day. The following verses remind us about security in Christ. Come on, people, now. Don't let the parrot mess up your life. Romans 8.1. I am free forever from condemnation. Romans 8.33, I am free from any condemning charges against me. 8.39, I cannot be separated from the love of God. I cannot be separated from the love of God. 2 Corinthians 1.21.22, I stand firm in Christ and have been established, anointed, and sealed by God. I'm sealed by God. Colossians 3.3, I'm hidden with Christ in God. Philippians 3.20, I'm a citizen of heaven. Come on, repeat after me. I have access to God. I have authority with God. I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit. I am free from condemnation. I'm declared not guilty. I'm hidden in Christ. I'm protected in Christ. I have the mind of Christ. I'm a citizen of heaven. And I am secure in Christ. That is who you are. Amen. That is who you are. <laughs> Friends, listen to me. Your security is found in Christ, in Christ alone. Your security is not found in your career. It's not found in your 401K. It's not found in your marriage. It's not found in your ministry. And it certainly is not found in someone else. Your security is found in Christ and Christ alone. Now, here's the big one. Significance. It's a huge deal. We all want our lives to count for something, right? We all want to be a somebody. Following verses tell us how significant we really are in Christ. Look what it says in Matthew 5, 13. I am the salt and light of the earth. John 15, 1 and 5. I am a branch of the true vine and a channel of his life. John 15, 16. I've been chosen and appointed to bear fruit that will last. Acts 1, 8. I'm a personal witness. 
of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 3.16, I am God's temple. My body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5.19, I'm a minister of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 6.1, I am God's co-worker. 2 Corinthians 5.20, I'm an ambassador for Christ. 1 Peter 2.9, I love this one. Again, in Christ, in him, through him, and you are. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Let me read the entire passage from you. It says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. This, you are. Did you catch that? You are a chosen people, a royal priest, your priest, your royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who calls you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That is who you are. Ephesians 2 Six, I am seated with Jesus in the heavenly realms. When's the last time you thought yourself, thought of yourself as someone who sits next to Jesus on his throne? I'm seated with Jesus in the heavenly realms. Ephesians 2.10, we saw the video with the skit guys. I am God's masterpiece. I am his workmanship, appointed to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for me to do. Ephesians 3.10. 3.12, I may approach God with freedom and confidence. Repeat after me. This is important. I'm a channel of his life. I've been chosen and appointed to bear good fruit. I'm a personal witness of Jesus Christ. I'm God's temple. I'm a minister of reconciliation. I'm an ambassador for Christ. I'm a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. I'm holy. I belong to God. I'm seated with Christ. I am God's masterpiece. I can approach God with freedom and confidence. I am significant in Christ. And that is who you are. That is who you are. Come on now. Friends, I just want to tell you, it doesn't matter if you're young or old, you're somebody who's significant in Christ. doesn't matter if you're male or female, doesn't matter if you're black, white, Asian, Hispanic, green, yellow, purple, whatever. It doesn't matter if you're tall or short, doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, doesn't matter if you're educated or not, doesn't matter if you're married, single, divorced, doesn't matter if you live in L.A., New York, doesn't matter if you're a follower of Christ for one day, 50 years, two months, 10 years, doesn't matter what your parents told you, doesn't matter what your husband or wife told you, your boyfriend, your sister, your boss, your teacher, the kids you went to school with told you, you are somebody who is significant. You need to know that you have significance in this life. Friends, in Christ, in Christ, you are significant. And you will find significance when you live out these scriptures. When you just come to a place in your life and say, I believe it. God, you are who you say you are. You can do what you say you can do. And I am who you say I am. And I can do what you say I can do. Now, friends, if you ever get your personal identity stolen, it's a terrible thing. I mean, it's just a horrible thing. And the U.S. Federal Trade Commission will actually give you five steps of how to, how to rebuild your identity. 
The first one is just detect and realize that your identity's been stolen. You need to know that, otherwise someone's going to spend a lot of money on your behalf. Second thing you need to do is alert anyone who can minimize the damage. In other words, call the credit card companies, call your bank, report it to the agencies, law enforcement, anyone that you can. The third thing that you need to do is they'll tell you to close all your accounts. Shut down the cards, close the accounts, get new numbers that have been compromised or created on a false basis in your name. The fourth thing that we'll tell you to do is start taking control of your identity. Change the things you can, like your passwords and anything about your identity. Put different names in there, different pathways to get to your account. And the fifth thing and the last thing they tell you to do is always stay alert, realizing that it can happen again someday. Always check your accounts. Always check them because you've got to defend yourself. Well, let's apply this spiritually to our lives as far as regaining a lost identity when it comes to our identity in Christ. Here's what God wants you to do when your spiritual identity has been stolen or lost. One, you have to realize that it's been stolen. You have to realize that if you're not living out these scriptures, your identity has been stolen. If you don't realize that, that you're accepted, secure, significant in Christ, if you don't get these hundred plus scriptures that validate who you are, chances are your identity has been stolen. And you know how you can tell your identity has been stolen? How you answer when someone asks you who you are. Number two, alert the right person who can help minimize the damage. You have to notify the authorities. In other words, you pray. You got to notify the right authority when your identity has been stolen. You just talk to God and say, God, my identity has been stolen. When I was sexually assaulted, my identity got stolen. That divorce stole my identity. Getting fired stole my identity. The mean things those people said to me stole my identity. Drugs stole my identity. I've been living for my friends, not who I want to be, not who God wants me to be. My boyfriend stole my identity. Satan has stole my identity by putting these thoughts in my mind. God, I need help. I need to get my identity back. And God will restore it completely. The third thing you need to do is you need to close any accounts that have been compromised or created on a false basis. There are some things in your life that you probably need to shut down. There's some areas of phoniness where you're acting and pretending to be somebody that you're really not. We do it all the time. We want people to like us. We want people to accept us. It's a good day when you can wake up and go through your entire day and you could care less what people think about you. Trust me, I'm like that. It drives my wife crazy, but trust me, I'm like that. You gotta stop faking it with other people and shut down all the phony hypocritical relationships down. You need to shut down all the, all the phony relationships with other people. And you just got to have the resolve to wake up every day and say, you know what, I'm just going to be who God made me to be. I'm not going to try and be someone that someone else wants me to be. I'm not going to try and please anyone else. I am who God says I am. And if you don't like it, have another life. I'm going to go live my life for God because I know who I am in Christ. And the fourth thing, that we need to do is we need to take control of our identity and change the things that we can. You need to control, take control of your identity and you, and you need to change the things you can. What can you change? What can you change? You can change what you allow in your mind. You can change what you think. 
You can change what you watch. You can change how you respond to the thoughts that come to your head. And you can be, you can make the decision, I'm not going to allow these thoughts to label me anymore. I'm going to fill my mind with the truth, not lies. And you can change who and what you believe today. And the fifth thing you need to do is you need to defend your identity. God wants you to defend your identity. You see, we're the only ones that could let someone else steal our identity. Do you know that? And you have to reaffirm who you are in Christ every day. And when Satan comes to you and says to you, you have to earn God's acceptance and his love, you just need to be able to take that thought captive and say, you're a liar. Get away from me. And when Satan comes to you and says you have to earn God's acceptance, you can say, that's a lie too. I'm completely accepted no matter what I do. I'm already accepted. And when Satan comes to you and says to you, you don't matter, you're not important, you're worthless, so that's a lie. I'm extremely significant. Matter of fact, I'm one of the most important people in the universe because my father runs the universe. And I'm part of that royal bloodline. I happen to be quite important. <laughs> and when Satan comes to you and said, nobody would really love you if they really knew what you were like, you say, well, that's a lie. I'm eternally loved. Not only by God, but just come to me and encounter. You'll see all my forever family friends that love me no matter what I do, what I've done, where I've been, and where I'm going. They love me. I'm loved unconditionally. And I'm loved with an everlasting love based on God's love. So take that. And when Satan comes and says, you know that sin that you committed? You know that one thing you haven't told anyone about? You could never be forgiven from that. You should be ashamed. And you can say, well, that's a lie. I've been declared not guilty. Where have you been? I'm free from any condemning charges against me. Matter of fact, in Christ, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. That would be me. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. So you say, back off, Satan. Back off anyone that doesn't know the truth about who I really am in Christ. Because there really is no condemnation for those that are in Christ. You see, I am in Christ, and he is in me. He loves me, and I love him. And greater is he who lives in me than he that lives in this world. So get off my property, stop speaking to me in Jesus' name, and leave me alone. And you need to take authority in your prayer life against the enemy. And you need to reaffirm who you are in Christ every single day. Sometimes every single hour. I want us to all read this last verse from 1 John 3, 1 out loud together, with conviction. It says this. I think we got it up on the screens. Let's do it all together. Come on. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. That is what we are. So the next time you introduce yourself to someone, instead of leading with the sin that so easily entangles, why not lead with the truth of who you are by saying, Hi, my name is Bill. I'm a child of the one true king. My father in heaven is bunkers about me. Oh, I'm forgiven. I'm the one Jesus loves. 
I love this. I'm going to close with a, a great quote by Max Lucado that he wrote in his excellent book called Grace. Check this out. This is what Max Lucado wrote. He says this, your identity isn't in your possessions, talents, tattoos, kudos, accomplishments, nor are you defined by your divorce, deformity, debt, or dumb choices. You are God's child. You get to call him Papa. According to scripture, Ephesians 3.12, invite you to approach God with freedom and confidence. 1 John 4, 9 through 11 promises that you will receive the blessings of his special love and provision. Romans 8, 17 says, you will inherit the riches of Christ and reign with him forever. If God loves you, you must be worth loving. If he wants to have you in his kingdom, then you must be worth having. God's grace invites you. No requires you to change your attitude about yourself and take sides with God against your feelings of rejection. Let these words cement in your heart a deep, satisfying, fear-quenching confidence that God will never let you go. And he'll never let you go. You belong to him. You belong to him. Friends, you can walk out of here at North Park tonight knowing three things. You can know who you are. You can know what your purpose is. And you can know where you're headed. You see, before you get a new identity, you got to become a new creation. Because everything starts with redemption. God wants to redeem you so that you can know and live out the titles that come with redemption. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you can heal broken hearts. You can heal bitter memories. And you can heal damaged self-esteem. And you can restore a stolen identity. Thank you that patterns can be erased and the curse can be reversed. Thank you that you turn nobodies into somebodies. Jesus, I ask that you help these people that I love so much to begin to see themselves through the eyes of your love, their true identity. Help them realize their sin is not their identity. Their attraction is not their identity. Their mistakes are not their identity. Their faults and failures are not their identity. Father, I pray for that everyone watching anywhere around the country, anyone in this room tonight, I pray that everyone right now will pray this prayer with me. Father, Help me see myself the way you see me. Thank you for loving me completely, forgiving me totally, for valuing me and accepting me. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die for my sins so I could be forgiven and I could know how much I matter to you.
Jesus, today, I accept your love and forgiveness. I open my heart wide open, and I fully surrender to you. I choose this day to trust you and follow you completely. Help me to care more about what you think of me than what other people think of me. May the truth set me free and restore my true identity. Because of Jesus, I'm completely accepted. I am extremely valuable. I am eternally loved. And I am completely forgiven. And I thank you for doing all of that in my life through your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to sing a song. If anyone wants prayer, I'm going to be up front. I'm going to ask some of my leaders to come up front. We want to pray for you. But we're going to worship right now.